Good morning. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. The Sitka Assembly wants to establish a tourism task force, but they aren't taking volunteer applications just yet. When the group met last night, it discussed establishing a committee to investigate the city's response to the recent surge in tourism. Last year's tourism was tourist season was record-breaking due to an increase in cruise traffic. 2023 promises to be even bigger, with over 500,000 cruise passengers expected at the privately owned Sitka Sound Cruise Terminal. While the influx has stimulated the local economy and increased the city's tax revenue, it's also raised questions in the community about whether the city has reached its capacity and should attempt to impose a cap on cruise traffic. The nine-member task force would explore whether capping or limiting tourism is possible for Sitka, develop an annual review cycle for Sitka's tourism-related operations, and help create a tourism management best practices program. Across the board, Assembly members supported creating a task force, but there were still questions about the makeup of the group, how members would be vetted, and the role city staffers would play. Ultimately, sponsors J.J. Carlson and Chris Yestad decided to bring a resolution back for assembly consideration at the next regular meeting in mid-March. We'll have more coverage of the assembly's tourism discussion and other items on Raven News tonight at 518. The Juneau Assembly has joined Petersburg, Wrangell, Sitka, and Ketchikan in supporting Southeast Alaska's king salmon troll fishery against a lawsuit that could threaten its future. A resolution passed by the Assembly on Monday opposes a lawsuit filed by the Wild Fish Conservancy, which says the federal government hasn't adequately addressed the fishery's impacts on southern resident killer whales in Puget Sound. Assembly member Carol Treem drafted the resolution. At the committee meeting last month, she said it's important for Juno to support the trollers. It's a lot less visible in Juneau than it is in Petersburg, Wrangell, Sitka, or Ketchikan, like the, the size and the impact of the commercial fishing industry, but it is still a pretty big part of our economy. In December, a judge re- recommended halting the winter and summer king salmon troll fisheries in southeast Alaska. A final decision from a federal judge in Washington is expected to come soon. Assemblymember Maria Gladyshevsky questioned whether the resolution would have much impact since the magistrate judge already issued a recommendation. It just seems ill-timed. Um, would have been better, even well, of course, even a year ago before they before they the judge decided. You don't really help a legal case by a um, resolution from an assembly. But Treem said the Alaska Trollers Association, or ATA, expects to fight the decision. The trollers argue that other factors, like pollution in Puget Sound, are more to blame for the whale's population decline. The Trollers Association does anticipate uh, a lengthy appeals process. So in terms of timing, I think that you know, even though there's been a decision made, it, it's still appropriate for us to be signaling our our support because it is an ongoing process. Juno's assembly passed the resolution, but like Wrangell, made no financial contribution. Several other communities in Southeast, including Sitka, have donated to the ATA Legal Defense Fund. In the state capital, Sitka Representative Rebecca Himshute 
has introduced a resolution in the Alaska House of Representatives urging federal and state agencies to defend the troll industry. The measure quickly passed committee and is waiting a full vote of the House. It's been a wet weather in southeast Alaska, but for residents of Wrangell, it hasn't been wet enough. The popular community swimming pool was drained in November for repairs, and the borough has yet to find a contractor to take on the most complicated work. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, this isn't the first time Wrangell swimmers have been high and dry. Quite different than when it's full, isn't it? Kate Thomas is Wrangell's outgoing Parks and Rec director. We're standing in the second lane of the shallow end where sometimes we lap swim together <laughs> uh, when there's water in the pool. Wrangell's community swimming pool is bone dry, just an expanse of tiny blue and white tiles. And you can see where the old tile from right here to right here was replaced in 2014. And you can kind of start to see where the uh, break in the tile starts to run along the width of the pool. And this was the pool maintenance project was originally scheduled to last about a month and a half from after Thanksgiving to early January. But Thomas says draining the pool became a bigger priority last year when they noticed they were losing water. It went from the normal 500 gallons per day to 1,000 in late summer to 3,000 gallons of water lost in September. And the concern is that when the water leaches through the foundation and goes into the substrate that the pool is sitting on, that you can wash out the fines um, on the sediment and rock and, and create an unstable ground. And if you have unstable ground, you could have a collapse of the pool's foundation, which would be a catastrophic repair. The break is a fracture in the concrete foundation of the pool, just before the floor takes a dip toward the deep end. And as Thomas mentioned, the problem isn't an entirely new one. Because the concrete has needed repairs in that exact spot before, Thomas says the Parks and Rec Department wants a long-term, more in-depth fix, which would include breaking apart some of the concrete floor and rebuilding it. The problem is, because it's a more involved project, Parks and Rec's maintenance crew can't do it themselves. After putting out a request for contractor bids twice, Parks and Rec came up empty. And that's not just Wrangell. That's Southeast, that's Alaska, that's the nation right now. Parks and Rec has pivoted to a different type of contract that would pay a contractor for their time and materials rather than require a lump sum bid. And they've pre-ordered the materials with the hope that it will help secure a contractor and shorten the remaining time the pool is closed. But there isn't a timeline yet. I have felt the weight of changing the date routinely and creating expectations, dreams, hopes to get back into the pool and then having to extend that further. And I think that's pretty disappointing for folks. There's certainly an impact to Parks and Rec's revenues with the extended closure, although Thomas says she doesn't have exact numbers. But she says that's not her primary worry. Take the money out of the equation. It's affecting people's physical health, mental health, and sense of community because they don't have their congregate setting to engage uh, with with their friends and with the staff here, whether that's in the arthritis class or the a water aerobics class or swim club or our open swims that have dozens and dozens of kids and families that come in. All those folks are probably suffering more than anybody else. Eventually, swimming will once again be an option. After construction is done, it'll take about a week for the pool to be filled back up, properly treated with chemicals and warmed up to swimming temperature. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley.
Portable Southeast is an island-hopping art show designed to break down the physical and social barriers that divide the Alaska Panhandle. It showcases work from Alaskan artists across six different towns and cities, and each month the exhibit's 22 paintings are flown to a new venue. The exhibit just left Petersburg's Clausen Memorial Museum and is headed for Sitka. KFSK's Shelby Herbert visited the exhibit and has this report. Director of Petersburg's museum, Cindy Lagadakis, unpacked the exhibit at the beginning of February. She says the pieces came off the jet in individual tote bags. Juno Arts and Humanities Council has done a really incredible job of organizing this. And the totes were set up with foam to protect each image. Everything is labeled, so everything will go back in the exact same spot that they were shipped to me. It makes it very easy to pack it up and very easy to unpack it, except for I almost missed one little piece I thought was missing. And then The piece she's talking about is a photo painting made of scrap plastic, and it's immediately clear why she almost missed it. The picture is nearly transparent. It's also tiny. The weathered frame could easily sit in the palm of your hand. It's titled, I Am Alive, by Katie Ioni Craney, and features words in Braille. Logodakis carefully placed it in a beam of light and at eye level, inviting viewers to reach out and touch its raised surface. The Juno Arts and Humanities Council sends along suggestions for how to arrange the art, but each museum space is different. Lagadakis says curators have a lot of creative control over where the art goes during each visit. You know, every space that's displaying the art is different, so you have to accommodate what available space you have, how people are going to see it when they walk into the gallery. You know, you want people to feel invited and also see enough that they're drawn in and they want to look at more of the artwork and um, create little vignettes of color and subject and texture. So Portable Southeast features a wide range of mediums, including embroidery, oil painting, and basketry. There's even a two-foot-long jellyfish made out of plastic trash. It dangles from the ceiling. The tentacles flutter with every slight draft of wind. The spread of art is diverse, but each piece is travel-sized and illustrates some aspect of life on the coast. Last year, a panel of curators from across southeast Alaska, including Lagadakis, selected the 22 pieces you can see today. We intentionally spread out, you know, we wanted as many artists represented as possible, so I think you were only allowed to submit three pieces because we didn't want a whole show of just one or two people. We wanted to make sure there was a broad representation. The idea was to grab as many different pieces of art as we could. The Portable Southeast exhibit will tour across Southeast Alaska until June. Its next stops are Harbor Mountain Brewing Company in Sitka, then Port Chilkoot Distillery in Haines. Before the exhibit returns to Juneau, it will visit a yet